Ladies and gentlemen, every other Tuesday on the Journey into Comics Network, it's poor news with the late-breaking news when it matters most. The following, the following, the following. The following. Journey into Comics. 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 Network. 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 Production. Production. And here we go. Ladies and gentlemen, you're listening to Journey Into Comics, the podcast dedicated to all things nerd, with your host, the podfather himself, Nate Phillips. Showtime, a-holes. What's up, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome back to another episode of Journey Into Comics. It's Journey Into Comics 225. I am your host, Nate. Hope everybody's doing fantastic on this beautiful Monday here in January. Now, let's get something straight. This episode is coming to you later than we typically get people uh, the episode. I was feeling like absolute dog shit, had another one of those horrendous migraines, was fighting it off all day, it had zapped my energy and had taken my, my spirit away, and I, you know, didn't really want to do the podcast, and I thought well, what's the best way to remedy this? And then I thought to myself even further, I went, well, why don't I just wait till tomorrow? I'll record it. I'll wake up early and I'll record it. It'll just go up a little bit later. You know, okay. As I was getting ready for bed, something happened. And this sometimes happens when you're in the process of breaking through your migraine. You, uh, you know, essentially get stuck in this situation where... Uh, all of a sudden your energy just gets like thrust back into you and you're just like, Hulk smash, I'm alive and I've got all this energy and I've got shit to do. Well, lucky for me, I have shit to do. So I was like, okay, I can do this. I can just use this last hour, even though it's one in the fucking morning. Like I'm just going to buckle down, nose to the grind and get through the episode. I've got a lot of stuff to cover today, guys. There's a lot of stuff I want to talk about. I'm excited to be back here. It's the 225th episode of the show. Uh, Stoked to be doing this for you guys. Finally starting to feel a little bit better on the other side of my ridiculous chest thing that was happening that was making me hack up phlegm every fucking five seconds. It's the worst, you know, and it was one of those things where I, you know, been dealing with it all week. And I think it was like on Wednesday or Thursday or Thursday or Friday. I can't remember exactly. One of those days or one of those two sets of days as I was breathing in, it felt like somebody was stabbing in my throat. And I was like, oh, this is not fucking good, man. This is like maybe the worst thing that could happen to me. So I reevaluated and I was like, hey, I, I'm, I'm just really going to have to buckle down and drink a lot more tea and just keep taking better care of myself. And I unfortunately had to starve myself of doing some fun shit this weekend because I was not 100%. And then, of course, today to be Sunday and to, to start, you know, I, I was throat-wise feeling, um, let's say, 49% better than I had been. It's the first day I've not had to do any of this, like, major, like, <sighs> hack up phlegm so that's a that's a strong strong plus because that was just really painful and ridiculous and wasted a lot of my time so uh it did though it zapped time away that i wanted to be spending with people that i that i care about and and love spending time with uh particularly speaking mr dick blaine tyner he and miranda had a lovely housewarming party put together we were not able to go because I was in dog shit feeling mode, 
when Saturday evening came here, I had, you know, kind of battled all day with whether we were going to be able to make the drive down or not. Anyways, we had, you know, recorded foodies and maybe that was a little bit of a mistake, but I just wanted to, you know, we had an opportunity, a window to do it. Is you guys on the network know podcasting? If you have the window, you fucking take the window. So I like did the episode and and maybe have you know uh, hopefully not gotten anybody sick there. But after the podcast, it just hit me like a ton of bricks. I was like, oh my god, I feel like dog shit now. Like I used all my good chi energy and it just fucking took it out of me. So I was like, well, we're not gonna be able to go unfortunately, which bummed me the fuck out, man. But, uh, you know, we have some really cool stuff planned. We, uh, Dick and myself, and uh, we, we're going to make some cool things happen here in the coming months. I'm really looking forward to that kind of stuff. Um, but other than being sick, the week has been kind of just blasé, you know. Um, lots and lots and lots and lots of, you know, one thing you can do while you're sick is clean. You know, you just got to fucking kind of find your second wind, your second energy, and just force yourself through the whatevers. And, of course, you know, you fucking can get down cleaning when you're hacking your lungs up and stuff. That's fine and all, but uh, it's just a tedious process when we've been not home a lot. You know, the the holidays hit, like I've been talking about the past couple episodes, it's been very busy. So the holidays hit, and that was very busy, and then we've had shows and that was very busy and it's all these things. So to finally get the house and actually really to get our house and Veronica's house back to ground zero has been really awesome just to kind of know that it's clean. Um, it made it it all worthwhile, you know, so that was good, uh, there. So we're in the new year here. It's 2019. 2018 is gone. I'd be remiss if I decided not to say a few things that I loved about the year. So I'm just going to quickly, go over uh, things that were like my number one things from 2018, memorable moments, podcasting, things like that, uh, movies, TV, shit like that. So um, first of all, we'll go movie of 2018. For me, it's super easy to tell. It was going to be, it was always going to be, and it had to be Infinity War. Uh, That was a movie I was waiting for for many, many years, and... The payoff of finally having Thanos show up and beat that ass after showing up in Avengers in 2012 and doing the turn in the grin, like, man, whew, holy shiitake mushrooms. It was a it was a hot ass moment, as it were. Uh, favorite video game of 2018. I'm going to say it, man. The Fractured Butthole. Yeah. Yep, South Park, the fractured butthole for me, was my favorite game. Maybe that's because I haven't finished Red Dead yet. Maybe it's because I didn't get to play Spider-Man yet. Maybe because I didn't get to play God of War yet. Maybe that's why that is what I'm picking as my game. But I really genuinely loved the story and the fun uh, gameplay of the fractured butthole. Uh, Also mentioning that the new South Park season, if you guys have Hulu, watch it. It's fucking hysterical. Get yourself some Taggarty. Everybody needs to have a little integrity in their life. Just saying. Integrity Farms. This episode of Journey into Comics is brought to you by Integrity Farms. I'm Mr. Tally and that's some good shit. Alright, anyways. So, uh, another thing 2018 brought us was music. Uh, I'm going to say... Trivium, The Sin and the Sentence, best album of 2018. Maybe it was lost in the shuffle. Maybe some people didn't even pay attention to its existence. 
maybe I'm crazy and that came out in 2017. I don't think it did. I'm pretty sure it came out in 2018. I just feel like the year 2018 was a blur. Also, it's it would be hard for me also not to mention how Ghost Prequella, Prequella was really high up there for me, uh, as well as Tenacious D Post-Apocalypto. All three of those albums came out in 2018. All three of those albums, by any right, could hail the throne of uh, best album of 2018, in my opinion. Best moment of 2018. Uh, for me, there are many moments that you could hail as best. There are awesome shows we got to play. I'll never forget playing Columbus, Ohio for the first time, the Tree Bar, in, back in April. That was a fucking crazy moment and, and amazing to, to experience and be a part of. Uh, go back to February and meeting Stu Block of Iced Earth with Brando and hanging out with him after the show a little bit. And the crazy Uberman story, like the the Asian Uberman story, whatever we called it. I can't remember. Uh, man, there's uh, there's personal moments between me and my loved ones that that are up way up there higher than this other shit. Uh, I got to interview a lot of cool people in 2018, Athena finger, Stu block. Uh, I mean, just to name a few, uh, I've been so fortunate to grow the network in 2018 as quickly as, as we have and be able to, you know, come into 2019 with kind of a set game plan and, we're only seven days in right now, but so far we haven't gone off the rails. We have everything, you know, planned, and it seems as if we are going to be on the course to success for the network. So overall, there were a lot of great things about 2018. There were some down things about 2018, deaths and what have you. Not going to be a bummer and get into that kind of stuff. Uh, trying to think of other things from 2018. Oh, favorite... Favorite comic book series. Gotta stick with The Walking Dead. It was great. It kept doing the unexpected. It built it built to a fever pitch. And, uh, you know, actually, I should be talking about that today. But I didn't plan on talking about it. And I want to make sure I know what I'm talking about. So I'll save that one specific thing where we talk about The Walking Dead for next episode. Uh, which is going to be a very special episode, by the way, folks. Next week, Journey into Comics, right here. I don't know what you're going to be doing to celebrate, how you're going to be enjoying your your celebration, but next Monday is five years of the Journey into Comics podcast, right here on Podbean. And I've got a really cool thing that we're going to be announcing next Monday that will coincide next Monday with some other cool shit. Uh, just keep your heads on a swivel. Keep looking for Journey into Comics, Journey into Comics Network, and all of our shows, because they're going to be coming at you uh, in an even bigger capacity soon. So, uh, yeah. Things have been crazy in that realm, and, and, and 2018 was a great thing. And, and you know now I think it's time to officially just go ahead and do the podcasting side of this where we get into the comic booky stuff and I want to address something I found several weeks ago and I totally forgot about it and it just was in my tabs that was like kind of leftover leftover tabs or whatever and I pulled it up and I was like oh shit I wanted to talk about this there's a reason 
It's interesting. It's going to tie into the rest of the show. It's going to kind of set the pace. So this is a list from comicbook.com. And uh, this drink break brought to you by Poor News. Episode 11 drops tomorrow. Make sure to check that out right here at journeyintocomics.com. Okay, so this is a list of every Marvel movie ranked from awful to amazing. Okay. I'm going to quickly go down the list. There are 50 at this time movies that had come out that are on this list. They are all at this juncture live action. That's one thing to note. Uh, I have seen a majority of these, and I'm going to mention the ones I have seen. I'm going to also tell you about the ones I haven't seen and, and, and discuss why I haven't seen them. So let's get right into it. The worst movie on the list, coming in at number 50, Fantastic Four, the 2015 reboot starring Miles Teller, Michael B. Jordan. It was a shit show. It was not good. It was a poorly designed movie with very little, uh, I, I, I call it like a shoestring plot because it was just very thinly veiled together and, and held together by shoestrings. So when you know, you're in your third act and then all of a sudden they're the Fantastic Four, it just kind of felt forced and contrived and for another day. Uh, coming in at number 49, Punisher Warzone. I actually never saw this movie. I have nothing to say about it. Another movie I did not see. Coming in at number 48, Ghost Rider Spirit of Vengeance. The Nicolas Cage sequel. Yeah, I did not see it. Number 47 on the list, I'm going to disagree with wholeheartedly. I have a lot to say about this movie. Coming in according to the, the comicbook.com list, at 47, The Punisher, Thomas Jane's Punisher. I thought this movie was awesome. It did a great job of being a Punisher movie. It did a great job of Thomas Jane portraying the Punisher. I thought that the story was clever. Uh, maybe some of the acting was weak. Shout out and rest in peace to John Panette, who was a uh, character in the movie. One of the neighbors that lived in the apartment, the fat guy that sang the opera song while he was cooking spaghetti. Uh, see, and this is what upsets me about this list is coming at number 47 is The Punisher, but number 46 is Electra. Electra was a steaming pile of horseshit. Put that at number 47, put Punisher at least 46. Uh, coming in right below this, now there's a several way tie for what would end up, it actually turns out being 44th spot instead of your 40 fifth spot because there's a, a three-way tie here i think so 44 is ghost rider which okay nicholas cage's ghost rider i didn't hate that movie i like it i owned it on blu-ray it was one of the first blu-rays i owned um not bad not something you should hate on i i genuinely dug nick cage as uh, johnny plays also in this tie, right here at number 44, you heard it here, folks. Maybe you're going to disagree with me. Maybe you're going to argue. Maybe you're going to go feck yourself, Cal, because Venom is number 44. Uh, CNET saying that Tom Hardy-led film is the dumbest movie ever. I can agree with you. Number 43, Blade Trinity. Now, I liked Blade Trinity. I thought it was pretty good. Ryan Reynolds in a superhero role pre his Deadpool era. Um... Wesley Snipes being Blade, Triple H makes an appearance in this movie. I mean, it was crazy. I had everything. I thought it was all right. 
I didn't hate this movie. Blade Trinity at 43. Number 41 coming in with a tie, tying with uh, another movie coming below, is X-Men Origins Wolverine, as well as the 2005 Fantastic Four featuring Chris Evans and uh, Jessica Alba. Uh, Coming in at number 40 is the Ben Affleck-led Daredevil movie from 2003. Not a very good movie. 40 doesn't make bad. We're a fifth of the way through our list here. As we come into another tie, spot 38, Fantastic Four, Rise of the Silver Surfer, tied with Blade and Blade 2, essentially. Or no, no, tied with Blade and at spot 38, and then at spot 36 is Blade 2, tied with X-Men, Apocalypse. Um, I've seen all those movies. I've seen The Rise of the Silver Surfer, Daredevil, Fantastic Four, X-Men Origins Wolverine, all these movies. So far, I've only not seen, essentially, uh, just Warzone and Spirit of Vengeance. Maybe I did see Spirit of Vengeance, I just cannot remember. Coming in at number 35 is The Amazing Spider-Man 2, a lot of further back on the list than I expected this movie, mainly because it just did such a beautiful job of sticking so true to that uh, source material of The Amazing Spider-Man doing the death of Gwen Stacy, nothing but beautiful justice, and hitting the marks there. Uh, Tying uh, up next is Thor the Dark World, tied with Ang Lee's Hulk. I think that was 2001 or 2002. Uh, now, also in a tie-in spot, 31 is Thor and Iron Man 2. Both have a Metacritic score of 57. Uh, the first outing for Chris Hemsworth as Thor. The second outing for Downey Jr. as Iron Man. Uh, we've got X-Men The Last Stand in spot 30. As we are two-thirds of the way through the list here, The Last Stand was probably one of the worst X-Men movies, honestly. And uh, did a shit job of, again, staying true to the source material. Spider-Man 3 comes in at number 29. Spider-Man 3 was the first attempt at Venom in a movie. And it was piss poorly done. Um, But that's neither here nor there. Tied at number 27, both the Wolverine and the Incredible Hulk. Uh, Edward Norton, his one and done with the Marvel Universe. Not a bad movie. I quite enjoy the Incredible Hulk movie. Both have a a meta score of 61. Iron Man 3 coming in at number 26 on our list with just one point higher meta score of 62. Uh, Coming in at number 24 is X-Men tied with Ant-Man, which I love that. Ant-Man and X-Men kind of right up there. Two totally different kind of things, both kind of reinventing the wheel. X-Men being one of the path layers for modern comic book movies and doing it right and closer to the source material. Uh, At number 22, we've got a tie here. X-Men First Class tied with Deadpool, which is shocking. First Class and Deadpool in the same breath. I don't don't know if I could say that. I feel like I maybe want to take a crack at making my own version of this list, like taking what they've said, considering some of that, and then making some fudges, because there's some things I don't necessarily agree with. That, I mean, and they're they're going purely off Metacritic score, which is a fair way to do it, not a personal way to do it. I guess is a better way to look at that. So Deadpool and X Men First Class, based on Metacritic score, same sixty five. Um, behind number nineteen, The Amazing Spider Man, tied with Avengers: Age of Ultron, uh, with a Metacritic score of sixty six. But they're also tied with Captain America: The First Avenger as well. All three of those movies. 
tied for your 19th spot, The Amazing Spider-Man, Andrew Garfield's first outing, Avengers, Age of Ultron, and Captain America, the first Avenger. Up next, Slot 18, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. Love that movie. We're going to be talking about James Gunn a little bit later on in the show today. Make sure to stick around for that. X2, X-Men United at 15, tied with Deadpool 2. X2, Deadpool 2, both Metacritic score of 68. At 15 and a tie, which is, I can't believe I have to say this, Infinity War tied with Deadpool as well as X-Men X2 United, which I think that I think that Infinity War is the better of those three easily, but that's my biased opinion. Coming in at 14 is the first Avengers. All three Avengers movies off the board were not even in the top 10. Just want to keep that in mind. Avengers in at 14, Metacritic score 69, Ant-Man and the Wasp tied at number 12 with Captain America, the Winter Soldier, both Metacritic score of 70. Coming in at number 11, right before the top 10, we round out with Doctor Strange, Metacritic score of 72, and here we go, folks. We are in the quote-unquote top 10, and we're already in a tie at number 9, 10. 9 is Spider-Man, the Tobey Maguire-led Spider-Man, tied with Spider-Man Homecoming. What? They both have a Metacritic score of 73, meaning they are on par in score, uh, but maybe not on par with movie quality because I personally like Tom Holland just a little bit more than Tobey Maguire. I think he does a better role of being Peter Parker, at least how I've always read him and uh, loved him in that source material. Uh, coming in at your, your eight, seven spots, which are tied for number seven, X-Men Days of Future Past and Thor Ragnarok, awesome. Both have a Metacritic score of 74. Train of Our Existence showing up late at night here on the podcast. Coming in at number six, Captain America Civil War, right outside of the top five. Here we are, the final five Marvel movies of all time. You guys can probably narrow them down because we haven't said them yet. So the top five Marvel movies of all time are on this list. Five is... Guardians of the Galaxy with a Metacritic score of 76. Uh, obviously, James Gunn's first outing with our ragtag team did nothing but blow people's minds and set the bar even higher even higher for the MCU. Don't know why I had a hard time saying higher, horror, higher, horror. Coming in at number four with a Metacritic score of 77, it's Logan, a dreary Logan film. Great movie. Sad as fuck, but great movie. Uh, coming in at number three, the thing that kicks the MCU off at the very, very, very jump, Iron Man with a Metacritic score of 79. Robert Downey Jr. getting mad praise. Final two here. And let me tell you what, the final two are shocking. We got something from the past. We got something from the present. Coming in at number two with a Metacritic score of 83. Love, death, hope, and hatred. These words describe our number two on the list. Because that is Spider-Man 2. Taking the number two slot. The Alfred Molina-led Doc Ock versus Tobey Maguire's Spider-Man. Kristen Dunst obviously returning her role as MJ in that flick. Amazing movie. It makes me actually think that maybe I'm going to watch that after this podcast if I've got a little bit of extra juice. We'll see. We'll see how I feel. Uh, and coming in at number one, the top Marvel movie, according to the Metacritic score, a Metacritic score of 88. Wakanda forever, baby. Black Panther. 
taking the top of this list as the best Marvel movie of all time, according to the MCU Metacritic scores. All 50 movies laid out there for you folks. Hopefully you enjoyed me going down that list. It was tedious. Lots to cover there. You know, it's it's funny because bias speaking, man, there are some movies that were way up there like... Uh, Honestly, the fact that The Last Stand was as far up as it was, like, I think The Punisher with Thomas Jane's a better movie by far than X3. Sorry, I'm just going to keep it real. Same with The Wolverine, Wolverine, X-Men Origins, like, those, you know, man, I don't know, man. I don't know, man. It's an interesting list. To talk about interesting lists and things that get snubbed and things that are going crazy, how about this, folks? We just, and this is going to be something that gets again covered, We're, we had we had predictions we did uh, leading into this week's Foodies Watching Movies. Next episode, we will be reviewing the Golden Globes and everything that happened, so this is a little bit of that, but uh, it's happened, folks. Black Panther was nominated for three awards at this year's Golden Globes, however, didn't win. Didn't win any awards. It did not take anything home. Best picture or best motion picture drama went to Bohemian Rhapsody. Uh, that just really, really is disheartening. Because Black Panther kind of heralded a change. Again, uh, a very bold statement by Marvel saying, we can do anything we want how we know we can do it and we can execute it flawlessly because we trust ourselves. That's why Black Panther is so good. I don't, and I don't care if Eric Cartman hates it. I think Black Panther is amazing. All right, folks. Well, so while Black Panther got the snub at the Golden Globes, another Marvel movie did not get a snub, and actually, it got the best nod it could have gotten. As Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse has shocked some people, winning the best motion picture animated. At the Golden Globes. Uh, we're in an alternate universe where we win this. The producer joked, which was Phil Lord, accepting the award. He said, thank you to the people who voted for recognizing us, uh, recognizing such an unusual movie. This is a ridiculous. Look at all these people. Collaboration amongst many filmmakers, starting with our directors, Bob Proschetti, Peter Ramsey, and Rodney Rothman. So, pretty awesome because Incredibles 2 is actually the odds-on favorite to take the trophy and did not win, which is shocking. Usually, when a Disney Animation Studios film gets nominated, it wins with Pixar. And only two years this has happened. Uh, the Adventure of 10, 10, and 2012... And How to Train Your Dragon in 2015. So now, it's happened three times. Because Into the Spider-Verse shocks and stuns taking the Golden Globe. That is bitchin' in the kitchen. Uh, so while that was happening, uh, I want to talk about these few little talking points here. While this was all happening, uh, Kevin Feige was there for the Golden Globes, and he got up with some people on the red carpet to address a few things in the future. Uh, this is going to kind of play on order with what I planned, but that's fine. I don't really care. 
because first of all, I want to mention that the Disney and Fox deal is expected to gain approval from Brazil, which is one of the final markets required to get the approval to finalize the deal, meaning we are... When they said that it was going to be the final week of, of January, they were right. This is about to happen. We are about to officially welcome the Fantastic Four and the X-Men back home. And who knows where they go, what they end up doing, where they land, whatever. But just to have them back and the endless possibilities that Marvel will now be able to utilize with all these characters... And essentially having every single character home except, except officially for Spider-Man and company. Um, but who knows? Maybe something can work out with, with Sony and, and, and they can uh, you know, keep working their relationship. Because I think it is beneficial to have Spidey in the MCU. I think it's also beneficial to have some of those Spider-Man villains in the MCU. So good to note that this deal is going to clear Brazil. But that... Also leads us right back to Kevin Feige on the red carpet talking about getting the X-Men and the Fantastic Four. Uh, someone says uh, they asked him just saying the deal is very near completion and does that make him exciting and that it is very exciting. And he responded saying the truth is I'm excited for all of this. I'm excited and it's not just the marquee names. You know there are hundreds of names on those documents on those agreements. Um, he said the fact that Marvel is as close as we ever get now to having access to all of the characters is something I've been dreaming about for almost my 20 years at Marvel. It's very exciting. Wait a minute, back up. Someone says, 20 years at Marvel, Kevin Feige? The MCU is only 10 years old. What are you talking about? That doesn't make any sense. Guys, Kevin Feige was working on X-Men films way back. I've said it before on the podcast. He had an idea for interconnected universes back then and no one listened that deal could have been Fox's. Fox could have been the fucking stalwarts of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And they weren't. Because they didn't listen to Kevin Feige. And Kevin Feige gets scooped up to become the architect of the MCU. And man, he sees the bigger picture and he goes, this is how I would do it, man. And it's clever. It's smart. You know, I will say much to... I'm sure they're two different things entirely, but running a podcast network and also having a schedule of movies like Kevin Feige doesn't have to balance those, being able to know how you want to drop things, how you want to release things, the timing of things, and making sure that the wheels never come off is a delicate balance, and it's been nothing but uh, beautiful timing. I mean, even being able to release movies a little bit earlier than what we were anticipating, talking to you, Infinity War, and now Endgame, uh... That's, you know, it's just, it's incredible. It really goes without saying that it is incredible what they've been able to accomplish. So he's looking forward, obviously, to getting these characters, you know, and he's just waiting on them to give him the word. As soon as he gets the word, you guys, he's going to really kick it into high gear. You know, and honestly, I think I've said this before. We know Spider-Man Far From Home is the next movie. After... Endgame. But the thing is, is that you'd be like, well, why is that the case? Why do we know that? Well, that's as far as they let us see into the future. But they can't tell us after that because it would almost tip their hat too much into what the future looks like. So really, we won't, you know, we aren't going to get any official announcements on when these movies are going to drop or when they're going to be dropped into the MCU until after Endgame. Now, if they are, 
clever. And here's the thing. I've said this before and I'll say it again. If they are clever and if they are super forward thinking and if they were shooting from the hip, when you film this movie and all these things are in play and back when they were starting to work on Infinity War slash Endgame, the deal was going through and starting with Disney and all the wheels were turning and everything is in set in motion, essentially. You could have almost gambled it like, look, here's the deal. The world, the, the general public world, won't see the movie until after the deal with Disney is done. So if, if Disney and Fox want to do the deal, that's great because we can also jumpstart and surprise and shock people and put some of those characters that are going to enter the MCU that are from that deal in a post-credit because the deal was done and we knew the deal was going to get done and we had the scene filmed and we wouldn't have used it. The after-credit scene, we wouldn't have used it if the deal didn't go through, but the deal went through. We already had it filmed. We already had it ready. We were planned for this. Boom. Here you go. Boom. And now you've got an insane jump start and hype. Could you imagine leaving the theater with Endgame, having this beautiful story wrap up, however it's going to wrap up. They give you an after credits, and it's the Fantastic Four ending up back on uh, Earth 616, as it were. It would be fucking bonkers. That's the way to say that. It would be absolutely fucking bonkers. Kevin Feige also talking about Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 and James Gunn directing Suicide Squad 2. Kevin Feige was talking about uh, also seeing Aquaman. He said, I went to see Aquaman last night, and I really, really enjoyed it. And you know me. I've always supported them, DC, that is. I don't see a rivalry. I see cool films being made. And one of the things you know about James Gunn is he makes cool films. So as for the status of GOTG3, he said, Guardians will happen when, where, how, uh, for a later time. Uh, our director, oh, Karen, this is uh, another press release from Karen Gillan, saying our director won't be with us any longer, but we are expected to continue the Guardians of the Galaxy story and keep delivering to the fans. That's the most important thing. I don't have any details as to when the next Guardians film will come out, but there will there is a script in existence, and I may have a tiny, teeny, tiny little peek, but I can't say anything. So, you know, James Gunn doing the Suicide Squad 2 thing. Maybe there's time for him to come back here. Maybe there's time for the redemption for James Gunn to be rehired for Guardians of the Galaxy 3, even if it has been slightly delayed. Uh, but who knows how this is all going to play out. It's a very strange situation, as we've said and been covering since July when this all broke out or early August, whenever that was. So that's what we got on Kevin Feige. Now, I just want to mention quickly, somebody brought up an interesting fan theory, and it caught my attention because this is someone, like, really combing the details and thinking about it. This fan theory essentially proves, in a way, uh, loosely, that Star-Lord and company are already in a time loop way before we know they're in a time loop. Now, let's get into it here. The theory is this okay the theory is that they have been stuck in a time loop ever since dr strange began viewing all 14 million potential futures 
The lead evidence of a time loop, the fan theory says, is the measurement of Quill uh, that Quill takes after the group of Avengers and Guardians first exit Ebony Maw's Q-ship. The de facto leader of the Guardians mentions that Titan is 8 degrees off its axis and its gravitational pull is, quote, all out of whack. The theory states that the readings are bizarre, are the bizarre way they are because of the fight later in which Thanos decimates a nearby moon and throws it towards the surface of Titan in an effort to deter the heroes fighting against him. Because Strange use, begins to use the Time Stone before Quill begins his readings, uh, the fan theory suggests that the Master of the Mystic Arts puts the group into a time loop that already exhibits the effects of Thanos' moon-throwing escapades. Though we don't know how life on Titan ceased to exist, it's not all too believable that the planet had enough weaponry to cause such drastic effects. Causing a nearby moon to crash into its surface, however, would provide enough damage to knock the planet off its track, not to mention the gravitational ramifications losing a nearby moon could have. If Strange did, in fact, put the heroes into a time loop, it certainly wouldn't be not the first time the magic user used that method to defeat a villain. That's, how, of course, how he defeated Dormammu in the first movie. Dormammu, I've come to bargain. Okay, so... What do I think of this fan theory? I fucking love it because it's very attention to detail. I, I do. I love that they combed over the detail. And, you know, it makes sense. Why would it be on a whack? It doesn't really... It's just a weird thing that gets thrown out there that you think is throwaway dialogue. But what you kind of have to learn in the MCU, what we've been learning throughout this whole experience in the MCU, is they don't really typically have throwaway dialogue. They cleverly weave dialogue to always have a purpose so i think it's very sensible uh to assume that there's a possibility they are in a time loop it, it would be a shocking factor it would be a shocking method it would be interesting to see there's a lot of different things that could happen but before we even get to end game we have to keep in mind there's another movie coming out still here we are just two short months away. Now, here's a crazy thing, you guys. I get to see Captain Marvel and the very next day see Metallica. What the fuck? That's crazy. I'm not even sure if I'm ready for that. Anyways, Captain Marvel's runtime has been revealed by AMC, um, saying it's a two-hour and ten-minute movie, officially opening March 8th. Uh, which at the time of the recording, which I'm recording day of, technically, even though it's still late night the day before, uh, we are just a little over two months away from that. So we're clock is ticking on Captain Marvel. I cannot wait to see that movie. It is going to be thebomb.com, as I say. All right, folks, we got to move on here a little bit. There's some more Marvel news to get into, as it's possible that Marvel is teasing a Fantastic Four video game. Uh, it was reported that several ex-Blizzard developers, now known as Second Diner, were heading a new Marvel game. Today, Marvel has made a critical change to their social media page. What seems to be hinting what the mysterious game could be looks like it could be about the Fantastic Four. The new profile image being Marvel Games, but the A is not an A. It is, in fact, a 4. So, wonder what is coming seems like they are definitely getting the fantastic four more involved as we hype train and get closer and closer and closer to that disney fox deal being done and the sweet sweet goodness that is the fantastic four and the x-men coming home folks you can't hear me say it enough here uh to talk on that deal though to get back to it 
Uh, somebody that's going to be essentially coming over on the trade is going to be Ryan Reynolds and Deadpool. Now, Ryan Reynolds and Deadpool did something over the holidays with the Once Upon a Deadpool coming to theaters for a limited 12 days. That has now left theaters. It's already gone. You can't go see it anymore. Ah, that's sad. Sucks. Boo. I don't like it. Check this out, though. It's coming to Blu-ray and digital next Tuesday. Oh, that's right. You can get it next Tuesday. So when Journey to Comics turns five years on Monday, that following day, Tuesday, you can get Once Upon a Deadpool on Blu-ray. AP said this, and I agree with him. I just want to bring this up here, AP. This is a great-ass idea. He said if they came out with a Once Upon a Deadpool 2 Super Duper cut where it was one movie, but the two movies, but the one movie, kind of, I guess it wouldn't be PG-13 then, but or like a two-pack of those movies, he would get that because he wants both of them. But still, I love the idea of just like doing a super-duper cut, uncensored version of Once Upon a Deadpool unrated like it just be it just is so deadpool right it's so deadpool so look for that january 15th folks i'm excited speaking of deadpool here's another thing that uh is interesting to note as uh donald glover's deadpool animated series dissolved but it seems like rob layfield believes it could still make its tv the animated series was going to get a 10 episode order at fx was going to be created by Donald and Stephen Glover. It was eventually canceled due to creative differences. But the animated development, the animated series is still in development within Marvel. So this is according to Layfield. He says, when the Donald Glover news broke, and maybe unlike the rest of you, sometimes I look at my phone when I'm driving, which I shouldn't, on the freeway, I may have swerved like, whoa, when that went south, that was very, like, unfortunate. I think for all, but I will not say who, but... A Marvel exec did say, don't worry, Robert, we're going to give you a Deadpool cartoon and it is still going to happen. Let me tell you that I have no inside information. I just know that, look, Marvel is doing a great job of taking over the world, right? So, yeah. I'm telling you, man. He also went on to say the world of possibilities for Marvel is just enormous with them getting the X-Men catalog and the Fantastic Four catalog and all the access that grants them, plus the means to do something like a dedicated Deadpool cartoon. I mean, there's been a Spider-Man cartoon on since I was five years old, and there's always been a Spider-Man cartoon. So I think there's argument to be made that Deadpool is equally as popular to the culture as Spider-Man, so a cartoon would seem inevitable. So we'll see, man. Hopefully uh, we do get that Deadpool thing now here. We're going to switch gears over to DC now because we've got some other news here as we move closer and closer to the end of our show today, folks. Doing my best to bring this one into you guys without without dying, proverbially speaking. Aquaman is set to cross a billion fucking dollars, folks. That's some real news right there. They're going to break a billion fucking dollars worldwide soon this week. It's going to be the third highest grossing DC comic, ba- comic book based movie of all time behind The Dark Knight. And The Dark Knight Rises currently at $1 billion and $1 billion in the box office total, so it seems possible Aquaman could also jump those movies. Uh, so it is very, it is very, very possible that could happen, and it has just been blowing people away, man. Everyone's saying Aquaman is good. Everyone's saying you should go see it. Everyone's saying it's worth it to check out Aquaman. It's officially past the dark. Night rises to become the highest-grossing DC comic movie ever internationally. So making money internationally right now, Aquaman is doing 88. Um, oh wow! Okay, hold on. That's the overall. Uh, that's not what I wanted. 
Uh, it amassed 649 million foreign haul, beating out the 636 million earned by the Dark Knight Rises in 2012. So, yeah, man. Uh, Aquaman's kicking ass, taking names. And I fucking love that. I fucking love Jason Momoa. I think he's a cool dude. I will never forget way, way, way back. You guys don't know about this shit, but way back he was on Jason Ellis' show years ago. And it was right after he did Game of Thrones. And it was right before any of the Aquaman shit broke or any of that shit came out. And he was doing the interview with Ellis. And Ellis was like, what's coming up for you? And he said, I can't really talk about anything but DC called and some stuff's coming down. And I just thought, man, him getting into the DC world is going to be crazy. And him to land Arthur Curry and to essentially reinvent the character. And I don't mean he like fully recreated the character, but he took essentially the ideology of the butt of every joke from like the 1960s till like 2016. The butt of every joke, Arthur Curry and fucking Aquaman, he, he turned it around, man. He's made this badass thing this dude that you just respect like fuck i want to be aquaman like i haven't even seen the fucking movie it's like shit he's the bomb all right well let's move into some more dc news here as we've got a awesome little bit of news it seems that cw is going to be getting a lot tinier and what i mean tinier is bigger because we're getting a new show but that means we're running out of space for shows because they have too many great superhero shows they're already juggling. But according to The Hollywood Reporter, it is official CW will be pursuing the standalone series with Ruby Riot playing Kate Kane as Batwoman. We will be getting a Batwoman pilot picked up by the CW, probably getting a 13, a 10 to 13 episode uh, first season possibly. We'll have to see here. Uh, but they, you know, they brought her over for the Elseworlds crossover to test out the, the likability and she debuted great and it was awesome to have her on TV and, and see Batwoman there and, uh, hype Bruce Wayne's disappearance and stuff. And just, I guess it's interesting to me because it's, I feel like DC has really spread themselves out. They've got awesome shit on the CW. They've got awesome shit on their app. They've got, you know, awesome comic books their movies could be better but their tv shows don't always run on the same thing so you've got titans is on like one service you've got uh gotham on another service you've got uh batwoman and now all the arrowverse stuff on another service so you've got all these different services if they were one service doing this it'd be fucking insane but it's kind of nice that it's multiple places because you kind of get different perspectives of their vision of what Bruce Wayne, Batman, and, and those characters are doing. And that in and of itself is, uh, it's refreshing. It really is. It's a refreshing look at the world that, uh, that Bill Finger and Bob Kane created. Uh, speaking of Batman writers, Batman writer Tom King talking about this uh, allegation that he was in the CIA. So here's the full scoop if you guys haven't got it. Uh, Tom King has responded to allegations that his CIA background was fabricated with a strong denial and some photos posted to Twitter that helped to verify his story. In a blog post in the Twist Street Tumblr page, a writer questioned whether the hero in Crisis scribe was indeed a CIA officer, as he previously asserted in several interviews and as DC marketed him 
during his run on the intelligence-heavy Grayson and Sheriff of Babylon comics. The Post questions King's credibility based uh, primarily on a form letter the CIA sent back in 2016 after receiving a request for employment verification for King. The form included three boxes. We do not have a record of the individual. A release was not provided from the individual with a note that you can resubmit with such a release and other. The first two boxes were checked. The first box being checked raises eyebrows, although later in the article, Old Twist Street acknowledges it's equally likely that the second box was more key element in the CIA decision-making. It is not immediately clear whether Twist Street reached out to King or DC for comment during the two years plus that they were developing the story. The piece questioned why media and apparently DC themselves did not question or verify King's resume with the CIA. King pointed out there were already some photos online of his time in the Middle East and decided he also would share a photo of himself in Iraq from 2004 an email from the CIA who had to review Sheriff of Babylon due to how closely its events mirrored things going on in Iraq during his time in the country. King says on Twitter, This is the first comic I'm actually submitting to the CIA, so every page has been approved by the agency to make sure that I'm not going to go over any lines. Oh, he told comicbook.com when the series launched. This is one really draws from a lot of inspiration personal experience of what I did. I was there for about five months. I only write about the time that I was there. I can't write about the classified stuff. What I did as a CIA officer, what I can do is write about the background and try to give you what the heat felt like, what the dirt felt like, what the danger felt like, and try to get all those little details into this book. He added in a second tweet that his wife had asked to be quoted on his Twitter feed for the first time. She says, tell those assholes to call me and ask me what it was like worrying every day that you'd get shot. You served your country. Fuck those fuckers. Fuck the fans. Yeah, I agree with that. Fuck the fans. Um, uh, it's, it's crazy to me that Tom King was in the CIA, but it's fucking amazing all at once. Speaking of Heroes in Crisis, I'm about to be catching up and reading that and then reviewing it on the show, folks. So next week's going to be a little bit more of a comic-heavy episode in the five-year anniversary episode of Journey into Comics. We are going to be talking about that new Walking Dead that just dropped. We are going to be talking about the most recent... Uh, past few Heroes in Crisis that have been coming out that I've been reading. Maybe something else drops this week along the way that we'll also be discussing. Who knows what other big news will be in our mirror by the time we get to Monday. So i got one more article for you here, folks. It's 1.38 a.m. Shout out to the motherfucking Misfits. One final drink break before we get out of here. Let's look at the time. Oh, wow. We're doing pretty good, folks. We're 50-some minutes odd in the, in the podcast here. We're going to break barriers today. People are like, what the fuck does he mean, break barriers? You can't break barriers? You aren't a barrier breaker? You can do anything special? You barrier breaker? Okay, well, I'm going to be a barrier breaker because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just be a little bit different here. So Kevin Smith, this is a story mixed with me talking about personal life and, and tying back to the whole why I'm doing a late night podcast and all this stuff. So it's just, it's all, hmm, it's all, it's all going to coalesce. Watch me. Kevin Smith recently was talking on his Hollywood Babylon podcast. And he says this, he gets given a mystery bag of weed, of marijuana, of cannabis, of pot, of the pot, whatever you want to call it. So he gets a mystery bag from a friend, meaning he just been given like here, here's just some here's just some weed, man. Have some weed, smoke this weed, it'll be good. 
And it's not like you're, oh my God, if I smoke this weed, I'm going to die. That's not how it works, by the way. That's not, that's a misconception. We're going to cover that. So it's just crazy, Kevin Smith said of the mystery bag. Each time you smoke a joint, you don't know what's going to happen next. You're like, oh my God. One time I smoked a joint and I wrote this fucking issue of Detective Comics is coming up on issue 1,000. They've had a 1,000 issues, I think. It must have done more. Um, but in their numbering, they're coming up on Detective Comics issue 1,000. So they asked me, will you write a story for an eight-pager? Jim Lee will draw it. I was like, fuck yeah, Jim Lee. Holy shit, man. I let him draw my death. Like, he's so fucking good. So I smoked this fucking strain. It's crazy. I never know what it was. It was like we're passing two ships in the fucking night and shit. I didn't know what it was, so I can't be like, you must get me this. It made me write, honestly, the best Batman story I'll ever write. Thing is, I wrote the thing, this, I think, the thing I wrote makes up for that. It just feels so good, solid, like a fucking Batman story that came from smoking weed, which I'll never know what it was, man. So, Kevin Smith wrote, in his opinion, for the upcoming Batman 1000, Detective Comics 1000, he wrote, arguably, in his his opinion, his best story of Batman, he's written several comics, by the way, while stoned on some cannabis. The wacky tabacky, as it were. I think the taboo is slowly following, the, the, the taboo is slowly falling, and there's being some realities behind what cannabis can do for you, how it can help you, how it can make you feel better and whatnot, and um, medicinal properties and all that. Now, I'm just going to come out and fucking be real with you guys because being that I've been living with chronic migraines for 22 some odd years of my life, uh, I've never known real relief when I get a migraine uh, for many years of my life. It was a constant pressure, never stopping. It would end my day. I would have to just go to bed and call it. I couldn't battle through my day and just and keep going or whatever because the pain would just become so much that it would just take me over. And it was like, if I don't sleep or if I don't escape the pain, I'm going to want to kill myself. And and that's that's another very real thing. Like Your brain starts to hurt so bad so often that you just you can't escape it. It's just like, it drives you fucking crazy. So now that I'm a little bit older, a little bit wiser, you can experience the world, man. I think I've talked about this on another podcast. I don't really fucking care though. I'm gonna talk about it here too. Cause you know, someone said one time, like, why don't you just smoke some weed when you get a migraine, man? See what it does. (laughs) Cause I don't smoke, man. I'm not like that, dude. Don't do that. I'm like a, a good kid, man. You know, so I did never try it. And then finally when I was much older and uh, a little bit wiser, I really got into it and smoked a little bit of weed one day, allegedly. And it helped. It helped the migraine. It immediately helps the migraine. And here we are, and I'm what some people would consider a high-functioning stoner. And, uh, the reality of that is that without weed, I wouldn't be alive because I wouldn't be able to function without smoking cannabis. It would, it would be game over for me, man. And it's like, 
I feel like it's fucked up for there. There are people that would rather poison themselves with medication that is created in a laboratory, and and fucking and fucking get addicted to that shit, than to take something that grows in the earth. That's like that. That, that, that okay. Here's a different example, but it's the same concept. Okay, let's look at it just in a different light. You really, really really don't feel right. You're not feeling good, man. Something's funky. And you can take this pill, and the pill has crazy side effects. You're going to have anal leakage, and you're going to puke out your eyeballs, and you're going to, you know, masturbate violently into a bucket of soap. I don't know. That last one was pretty weird, but it just kind of popped in there. Whatever. Whatever you're doing, whatever the fucking side effects are, they're awful, okay? Or you could eat an apple that the earth made that we're on this earth and that apple's going to help you feel better. That's kind of weed, man. The weed isn't the apple. That's maybe poor to say, but what I'm more saying is if you have an opportunity to use something natural that can help you genuinely feel better and to genuinely get yourself right versus taking a prescription medication that's going to kill you from the inside, give you horrible side effects, make you feel awful day in and day out, get you hooked on it, fucking make you feel worse in other ways that you then have to take other medications for. I mean, it's a downward spiral when you're taking prescription pills. And, you know, they maybe want you to say other things. Maybe they don't want Big Pharma to, you know, hear me saying this because they'll get pissed that I'm telling you guys the facts. But, like... Big Pharma wants your fucking money. They don't care about how you feel. A healthy patient is not a customer. You know what I'm saying? They need your money, so they need you to be a customer. So they want you sick. So they can't give you a clear, clean-cut solution that will make you feel better because if they did, they would not have business. See, it's it's capitalism ruining our society as people, right? So I leave you with this, guys. Listen, if you're on the side of the cannabis debate that you think it's bad, it should be illegal, it should be something that we kill people over and blah, 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 all this shit, please, please email me at journeyintocomicspodcast at gmail.com. I would love to have a conversation with you, whether it's on the show, whether it's privately, because I can tell you otherwise. I don't get crazy. The reefer doesn't make me chop my family up with an axe. Like, none of those things are real. Those are just fucking made-up propaganda stories that... Really, if you want the best way to understand the realest shit about all of uh, why the war on cannabis and the war on drugs is horseshit, watch Adam Ruins Everything, the episode on drugs. If you have Netflix, Adam Ruins Everything's on Netflix now. Watch the episode on drugs. They break down the reason that marijuana is even illegal in the first place is because in the 20s, they were looking for a way to swing the vote to get people who were against the Mexicans on their side. So they made weed illegal because Mexicans smoked weed. Then they could go and they could disrupt these people's homes when they were having meetings and stuff. It's dangerous, man. It's dangerous what they did. And, you know, wouldn't it be a cooler, better world if we were all in an opportunity where we could be healthy, you know, and cannabis wasn't demonized? I think so. 
So I leave you with that, folks. As always, check out the Journey into Comics podcast and the Journey into Comics network at journeyintocomics.com, where you can get us on iTunes, Podbean, Stitcher Radio, Google Play Music, or Spotify. Just search Journey into Comics network. You'll get all the shows on our network, whether it's Journey into Comics, Poor News, Poor Entertainment, Foodies Watching Movies, Adulting Ain't Easy, Journey into Wrestling, Podcast, Free Kids for Sale, Gallif Radio, The Voice of Survival, Crucial Tunes, Brews with Dudes, Dungeons with Dudes. I don't think I missed any. Oh, we technically got... Uh, as soon as the government opens up a new show that will be debuting out of the poor camp. I cannot wait to hear that one, folks. Well, I think that's going to do it for this week's episode of Journey into Comics. This has been Journey into Comics 225. I have been your host, Nate. Take it easy, folks. Have a fantastic week. As always, tip your caps back. Fill your brains with shit. Later.